0: Him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flax of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. There was a creditor, a certain creditor, who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged or rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? For she loved much, but to whom love little I'm sorry, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, "Your sins are forgiven." And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, "Who is this who even forgives sins?" Then he said to the woman, "Your faith has saved you. Go in peace." Yes. Amen. Let's pray, Father, we love you today. What a privilege it is, Lord, to be able to stand before your presence, Lord, and to hear your word this morning. Father, I pray none of me and all of you, Father, you have a word for us this morning. And we eagerly, Father, await. We eagerly wait to hear what thus saith the Lord. Father, I pray that you will speak to our hearts and that we will be changed, renewed, strengthened, built up, and encouraged, fortified for the battle that is ahead. Father, we give you this time, we pray, and we thank you, Lord God, for what you're going to do in and through this word this morning. And all God's people said, amen, 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 amen. hallelujah. I want to talk to you this morning about the subject of unveiled, removing the mask, unveiled, removing the mask. As a pastor, and not only as a pastor, but as a believer, I have a very strong desire to be a part of a community of authentic believers. This has always been a desire of mine because I think that sometimes that uh, when we get saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, we have a tendency sometimes to forget. Where we came from, we have a tendency sometimes to think that as believers and as Christians, that uh, that we're 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 supposed to be sometimes uh, we're supposed to have it all together. Uh, We're supposed to be folks that uh, we come into church, you know, we we put on our masks, you know, uh, you know, we we you know we, we want everybody to think that everything is good, everything is going well, but in reality, we're suffering. Our marriage is jacked up. Our kids are out of whack. Our finances are just at a boiling point. And we're struggling sometimes with different things as Christians. And yet we come to church and we say, you know, how are you doing? Well, praise the Lord. The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. I understand that. But I ask you, how are you doing? It's amazing that. We we come into our fellowship and, and and we come around as a people of God and and and, and we have on these masks and, and we're struggling and we don't want nobody to know that we're struggling. We want listen, we come in and out of church week by week, you know, day by day, We read our Bibles and yet we still we don't say one thing. Now, that's not to say that we need to be people that go around telling everybody our deep and darkest secrets. But it does mean that as a believer that we don't have to run and we don't have to hide anymore. When I say that I want to be a part of a church where there are authentic believers, that simply means that people that are real. It's not to say that, uh, you know, that we are to make light of our mistakes. And I mean, no, I'm zealous about preaching the holiness of God. I, I, I love to preach call us up to a higher way of living. And how many know we need to do that? Because the Bible says, you know, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. So we need to preach the truth. And we need to be people that make sure that we're holding each other accountable for what we do as believers. How many know we just can't live any old kind of way and then think that it's just going to be okay? We, We have to hold each other accountable. But along with that, there has to be An avenue whereby when we struggle that we can go to a brother and a sister and say, hey, I need you. I need to talk. I I got some things going on in my life and you and I need to talk about it. You know, we you hear us a lot talk here about fellowship. And sometimes people think fellowship is just all about coming, showing up, eating and leave and saying hi. That is not fellowship. That's not fellowship. If we're going to be a church of authentic believers, we need to be people that that we need to kind of like open a door and let each other into our lives, which requires that we need to spend time with one another. And sometimes we don't want to do that for various reasons. I had a, I had a, a former member of this church one time. He, he got mad at me. He called me. He says, Pastor, it's an emergency. I need to talk to you. Now, you know, people tell me all the time, everybody got, this an emergency. And I said, okay. I said, is this something that can wait, or do we need, well, we, we need to do this right away. I said, okay. I mean, he said to me, he said, pastor, um, he says, uh, uh, I got a problem with something you did. What I do? He said, well, um, you know, uh, you told somebody at work about, uh about uh, you know about the fact that uh, I I you know I don't come to church that often and they found out about it and I said, first of all, understand what happened. I'll just kind of give you an insight real quick. Somebody had, we had wanted to provide a service to the community, and somebody said you need to check with this brother, which I didn't think I needed to check with him because, you know, I didn't know he was still running that program. So. You know, I just said that they they said, well, you need to said, Well, I haven't seen him. I haven't talked to him. So I'm not really sure what's going on, because it had been probably like a year or more. that I hadn't seen him and never came to church. And but what he was telling the folks on the job was I go to church. And he made the folks on the job think that he was really connected with the life of the church. But in actuality. He, he wasn't. And what he said to me is he says, you see, you see, I got my my life right here, my personal life. And then I got my work life. This is what he's telling me. I'm like, brother, I don't live that way. I'm sorry. I said, I am what I am. And what I am on a job is what I am at home. What do you see right here? Here's what you get. There's listen, My wife, should, my wife can go all up on my Facebook page. There are no secrets. She got the passcode to my telephone. She can go. Listen, there's nothing about, there are no double standard here. I don't, how many know it takes, it's a lot more work to try to live that way. No, I am what I am. And and what he was saying is, I got a mask when I go to work. In actuality, he wasn't living. He wanted people to think that he was at a certain place, when in actuality, he really wasn't there. You say, but Pastor, I would never do that. But sometimes we do it in the church, don't we? We walk in, and we want people to think that we're here. But in actuality, we're really not. We're really not. I mean, we're, you know, actually, really, Pastor, I'm really struggling. I mean, I got this sin problem. I got an addiction that I'm really struggling with. And, and nobody knows about it, but, but I praise the Lord. I say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. But when we come into the community Of believers, and we're going to be healthy. How many know we got to be honest with each other? We got to sit down and talk. That when we have these moments of fellowship, that there need to be this thing in us whereby, whereby, listen, watch this. That there's a freedom in the ministry, in the church, among the people of God, and we call it a grace culture. That whereby, when folks are struggling with different things, that they feel free to come and say, "You know what? I I got this problem," and we don't go. oh, Gosh, how dare you? I thought you were. Because people need to feel like that they can walk into the community of believers. We need to feel like that if I got some issues, that there are people that's going to love me and encourage me to it. Now, that's not to say that we don't deal with sin and we don't call sin out. For those of us who, who, are, who love to, to talk about you know, uh, people's sin and unrighteousness, let's, let me tell you something. God's grace, God's grace (laughs) is the reason why any of us can sit here today and look as good as you look. Nobody in here is above sin. Nobody in here got it all together. Because if you did, then Christ died for nothing. The Bible says if righteousness can come by the law, i.e. doing things, then Christ died for nothing. He died. He had to pay the price. You know why? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us. So if it were not for the grace of God, nobody can be able to stand. If God zapped us for every time we did something wrong, as fear as we are, I believe we'll be furious this morning. But thanks be unto God. That he hasn't done that. You see, everything is not always what it appears to be on the surface. Now, Pastor, what's 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 drawing this? What's driving this this morning? Because we need to be people. I, I, I love being around people that that understand that they've been saved by God's grace. And, and, and they understand that, you know what, that, that I will have patience with somebody else who is struggling, that I'm not going to stand by in my pious and righteous attitude and think that I am somebody. I'm all that in a bag of chips because in actuality, I'm not. I'm, I'm just a man that just been God decided to choose me. I don't know why he chose me before the scripture said before the foundation of the earth. And I surmise, one of the things I want to ask him, Lord, is why did you choose me? What is it about me? I don't know why. I don't fully understand it, but I'm like the Apostle Paul. I am what I am by the grace of God. I don't understand it, but Lord, I thank you anyhow. So we want to have a culture of grace so that people can come clean. Nobody likes to talk about coming clean because coming clean means that I got to expose myself. That when we come clean with one another, I kind of let my guard down. You just might take advantage of me. So what do we do? We put the guard up. I'll let you come about this close and no more. And so we sit back and we come to, and, we re, and we act like everything is okay, but then we leave and we're dying. And nobody knows it. And then all of a sudden we hear about somebody, what happened to sister so-and-so? Oh Well, what was happening to brother and sister so-and-so was something was going on for a long time, but, but it just came to surface. It, it came to a boiling point. Let me know we need to be authentic people. We need to be people that we can talk about where we really are struggling at. I'm not talking about the cream puff stuff when we just kind of hook up and we just say, the turkey was good. (laughs) You know, your potato salad, Pastor Gary, is really, really good. Thank you very much. I like that. But, you know, we're not there yet as a church. We've had, we have fellowship sometimes, and I notice, and I'm always looking. How many you know you know, if you're a pastor, you're always looking. You should be. And, uh, and sometimes we struggle to talk. And I said, man, I, you know, and I mean, lately we've been doing much better. I see people kind of hanging back a little bit, talking after service, and really trying to fellowship and trying to see what's really going on with you. Because sometimes people are struggling. We can't figure out why people can't come to church on a regular basis. We can't figure out why we can't get brothers, sisters, so to read their Bible on a regular. Perhaps there's something else that we just don't know about. And every now and then, we just need to say, Lord, I'm going to take some time and say, can you please talk to me? Let's let's talk about this thing and let's pray this thing through. I'm going to be here with you to get you through whatever it is you're struggling with. There needs to be that kind of atmosphere, the cover up. Let's talk about the cover up. You have time to turn to Genesis chapter number three real quick. I got to move fast. Genesis chapter number three. Verse number 1 through 10. We've made it easier for you this morning. You can find Genesis. Nobody will get lost. It is the very first book in the Bible. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall, you will not surely die. I mean, there's a direct contradiction to what God said. For God knows that in the day that you eat, of it, your eyes would be open and you would be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the, then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Then he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. I many know that first and foremost, God knows our issues? The Bible says in Hebrews 4.13, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. I mean, you know, God sees everything. Amen. I never try to waste my time trying to hide stuff from folk. You know what? Because God already sees it. He says what's done in the dark yeah. will be manifest at some point in the light. Yeah. And so God sees this. It's amazing. Sometimes we act like God don't see what's happening. But God knows knows what we think before it even comes into our mind, the scripture says. He knows the problems. He knows our attitude. He knows our motives. He knows everything there is to know about us. But why is it that still from time to time we get this thing where we throw our own fig leaves together and we want to hide? I mean, sin makes you want to do that, doesn't it? Sin makes you want to go and hide because everything about sin is, is wrong, it's negative, it's ugly. Everything about it. And so from the beginning of time, when man sins, what do you want to do? He hides. You find a guy who just got arrested for some major crime, whether it was a robbery or, uh, or some kind of abuse of a child or, or they killed somebody. What are one of the things you see when they drag him out in front of the press? You always see him with their hands behind their back and their head is what? Down. And sometimes they throw something over top of their head because they don't want nobody to, to see what, what, what's really going on with me. So from the beginning of time, here's what we've been doing. You know, we, we, we've been hiding who we are. We spend a lot of time hiding stuff. Oh, pastor coming to our house. We don't want him to see that. So we're going to move that out of the way. I don't want him to know how, you know. We, they, oh, I can't tell nobody. I went to that movie. Oh, shit. And so I got to keep that quiet. So, and so we spend a lot of times getting our little fig leaves together because we don't want people to see who we really are. <sighs> but all the while, God is right there saying. It's like God is us trying to hide. And he's just looking at us. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And so there's this big cover up that's been going on. And it's in the church. And I believe God wants us to be people. I often think to myself, what would have happened if Adam would have just said after they disobeyed God? He would have said, Lord, first of all, you know, God had to go looking for him. It's not that God didn't know where he was. Y'all understand that when God says, Adam, where are you? It's not like God was like lost Adam. You know, it's like it's like you got one kid in the house and the cookie jar has been turned over and the top is off and the crumbs are on the counter. You go to the kid. What do you do? Well, you already know what they did because they're the only one in the house. And they look at you. Nothing crumbs all on it, you know. So God wasn't saying, Adam, where are you? Like God was trying to figure out where was. God was like, Adam, Adam, you, you, you move from the place that you're supposed to be. We had sweet communion together. It was, the way that God and Adam talked, it was, see, the Bible said there was a period of time when men began to call on the name of the Lord. But there was a time that we didn't have to call. We just fellowship. It just that's that's how heaven's going. To be. We're just gonna be able to talk with God. We're gonna to have to sweat, we're gonna to have to go through all this stuff, prayer and fasting. You remember disciples say at one time said the Pharisees criticized disciples. said so why is it Jesus? Your disciples ain't, you know, they're not fasting. Jesus said, Well, I'm here. <laughs> they don't, I'm I'm right here. So there came upon a point in time when men had to call on the name of the Lord because men have been from the beginning of time, always, instead of trying to deal with their problem, they try to hide it. We want to hide. And so we have a a spirit in the church today that we hide who we really are because we don't really want people to say. Some of it is because, yes, we're dealing with sin issues. We're dealing with issues and we don't want nobody else to know it. But there's something about coming clean. Not only with God, because people say, you know, we know what people say today. Uh, uh, You know, I love, I'll confess my sin to God. James 5.16, it talks about confess your sins to one another, your trespasses to one another, not just to God. There it is right there, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Well, I can do the God thing, but I don't need to be talking to nobody else about my problems. But why 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 is it? Think about this. He says confess your trespasses to one another. First of all, James suppose that you're going to you're going to sin from time to time. You're going to blow it. And when you do, talk to God about it, but also you need to do it with somebody else. There are some things that we're dealing with that watch this that we need to connect and we need to we need to pray for each other about. Sometimes I need a strong brother. I need a sister that come alongside of me and say let me pray let's pray through this. See, there's something about when you're going through something, when somebody who walked with God, who has the Spirit of God in them, can stand with you through a problem. He said, pray for one another that you may be healed. Well, I know I can pray about the God thing. Pastor, what, am I, what I'm going through and my sin issues between me and God only. Really? Confess your trespass to one another that you might be healed. God has united us as one body. And if the body of Christ is going to be an authentic believer, a healthy church, if we're really going to be healthy, we have to come to a point where we acknowledge that, you know what? I need you, brother. I need you, sister. If I'm going to be what God wants me to be, I need you. We need each other. That's the way God built this thing. He said, the hand can't say to the foot, I have no need of you. But sometimes we think that way, don't we? I don't need nobody else, but in actuality, you do. Because that's the way God designed the body so that nobody can get the big head. Say amen. Now watch this. And let's go back to our main story. Here in Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. We just read it. I'm not going to read it again. This story, every time I look at this passage of scripture, it always brings tears to my eyes. Because you see here a woman, a woman that was broken. First of all, she wasn't invited to the Pharisee's house. How do you feel when people just show up at your house and uninvited? A lot of us would be like, wait, 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 you know, I wasn't prepared. You know, we like a little heads up, right? Don't just come showing up at my house. I like to know who goes, well, first of all, this woman had heard about Jesus. She was a woman that obviously had problems with immorality, lust. She was a woman that was struggling, and and one could easily say, well, this woman, she brought it all on herself. You know, we, we say that, don't we? You brought it all on yourself. In fact, that's what we use sometimes to justify not helping people that are in need if they brought it on themselves. That's how we justify not helping people, right? You see the person that's homeless, you look up, well, they, they can get a job if they want to. That's how we do. But here's a woman that has a need, and she shows up at the Pharisee's house because no Pharisee would have ever invited this woman into their home. Never. Because he, the Pharisees, they had it all together. You know who Jesus screamed at the most? That he used his sharpest verbiage for it was for the Pharisees. it was for the people that went to school. It was for the anointed people. It was for the, It was the people that supposedly understood the things of God. It was these folks that Jesus spoke his most, his, his most challenging words to, and yet there were people that were uh, uh, the common day folk they, they just loved to hang around Jesus because they heard that Jesus actually would sit down and talk to people that are sinners. And so that that made them feel like there was hope for them because I believe that there there are a lot of people out there who who are struggling with sin, but, but perhaps they're struggling, but they really want to get out and they don't know how to get out. And sometimes when they come to church, we present this facade that we all have it together. And so when they come in and look at us, and they think, well, that's way above me. I can't do that because they're way up here and I'm way down here. You, I, I can't get there. And so what happened is they don't want nothing to do with that. It's the Pharisee. See, the Pharisee, the, the Pharisee, the Pharisee said when the woman walks in, uh, you know, uh, she's uninvited. Now, she's desperate. How I know mean, when you get desperate, you really don't care what a lot of people think. When you really get desperate, when you need something. But see, I believe that God, I don't believe, listen, I believe that we should start talking to each other before we get to that point. But see, we won't do that. But here this woman is desperate. She's thinking, you know, I've been a sinner all my life. and I, I, I know I've been prostituting. I've been sleeping with everybody. I, you know, And every, every, every Pharisee and every religious person has basically told me there is no hope for me. I'm trapped in his sin. There's no out for me. I can never, ever be delivered. That's it for me. But she heard about Jesus. She heard that there was a man that would listen to her, that would talk with her, and that he hung out every now and then with sinners. He didn't sin. He hung out with them. He ate with them. And the Pharisees, oh, they couldn't stand that. That's like taboo. So this woman walks in. She is desperate. She has nowhere to turn. And for, not only did she come in uninvited, but she just bypassed the person who owned the crib, who owned the house. So it's one thing to say, you show up at my house and then you don't invite me, then you don't even talk to me. She walks through the door. She don't even talk to the Pharisee. She goes straight to Jesus. Because you see, she knew. She knew what the Pharisee was all about. She knew there was no grace. There was no compassion. There was no mercy with the Pharisee. So I'm not going to talk to him because they think they got it all together. I, I, can't, I, I can't talk with him, but, but, but I'm going to go straight to Jesus. So she bypasses the Pharisee. She goes right by him, Right by him. And she, the scripture paints a picture that this woman is broken. She is broken. The Bible says that she was so hurt that she was in such pain. She was in such turmoil that she began to wet Jesus. She flooded his feet with her tears. This woman was in such pain. I mean, this woman was broken. She knew. I mean, no, she didn't need nobody to tell her how bad she was. She knew. You know, and sometimes we got to understand that people don't always want to come to church. Watch this. They don't always need you to tell them how bad they are because they already know that. That's why they came, you hope? Because I already know I'm bad. But can you please help me get over this? I want to be better. Can you provide me an avenue so that I can be better instead of telling me how bad I am? I know I'm bad. I know I'm jacked up. I know I got issues. This woman didn't need no Pharisee to sit back and say, well, you're a sinner. You, you, you did this. In fact, you would such and such like me. She didn't need that at that moment. And her tears said, her tears said, said, I need help. I've been going every place and I thought that there was no hope for me. But I heard that you, you, you Jesus can help me. And do you know that that Pharisee, you would think that he would feel sorry for her. But you know what he said? He says, Jesus, you're supposed to be a man of God. You're supposed to be righteous. You're supposed to be a prophet. You're supposed to be anointed by God. And you let this woman put her hands on you. You cannot really be anointed. That's what the implication was. You can't really be anointed by God to let this woman touch you because you would know what kind of person this is. Even when this woman was as broken as she was, that Pharisee had no mercy in his heart. All he could think about is, she's a sinner. He's a sinner. She's a sinner. I see your tears. your, Your tears mean nothing to me. You're a sinner. You're dirty. And this woman flooded Jesus' feet with her tears so much so that she had to take her hairs because you can almost see the picture. She says, I'm sorry. It's like she's crying. She don't mean to wet them. She don't mean to mess them up like that. I really don't mean to do this, but she takes her hair. She just tries to dry them. She tries to like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just, I got, this is it. This is it for me. I got nowhere to go. Can you please help me? Can you please? Can you please help me? I got nowhere else to turn. Everybody's closed the door on me. Everybody's closed the door. I'm nasty. I'm, I, I, I've, I've overshot this thing. I've gone way in too deep. I don't got nothing else. I'm sorry. I don't mean to mess over you. Like I don't mean to do that. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And all the Pharisee could do in his self-righteousness is to sit down and look at that woman and said, You're a sinner. And you know, there are people that walk through those doors. That could be having the same kind of issues and all we want to do is talk about what they did. Instead of saying, well, they came to church just yes, maybe, yeah. maybe they can get a touch from Jesus and be set free and be delivered. We forget where we were. We forget that God had, to, you know, and, and for some of us, it took a while for us to be where we are today. But we forget And 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 something in us that tells us because I don't do what that sister do or that brother do, I'm just a little bit better because I don't do that. Nobody, nobody is really better. The apostle Paul said, "God came into the world to save sinners." To which I'm chief. That's not my word. That's what Apostle Paul said. Apostle Paul in Romans chapter number seven. You got that verse? Romans chapter seven. The Apostle Paul. I'm all over the place, but you know what? I'm just going to flow with the Spirit this morning. For we know that the law is. in And this is Paul. Paul is explaining what he has to struggle with. And we would think everybody in here would agree that the Apostle Paul was anointed. He wrote the third of a New Testament. The brother. The brother had it together. But Paul recognized. That sin is always, he said, "Wherever every time I try to do right, evil is always there every day. Paul says, I got to beat my flesh every single day. I got to beat it down because the sin person in me always is trying to get the upper hand. He says, so I beat my flesh. Every day I have to beat it. But watch what he says. He said, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, so understand. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. How many of you have ever done something you hated? You, you didn't want to do it. But how did I do that? Why did I say that? I didn't mean that. I, 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 why did I, how could I done such a stupid thing? Sin. It's a sin nature. is still there. You got to beat it down. He said, if then I do what I will not to do. I, he said, I disagree. He said, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, watch this, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. What is Paul explaining there? Paul is explaining something that that we tend to forget. That all of us had to come in the same way. It's through the blood of Jesus. And so any good in me. Let me tell you something, if you see something good in me, it ain't got nothing to do much with me at all. In fact, nothing to do with me. It's all because of him, his grace, his mercy. Paul says, he said, look, I, I struggle with this thing. I, you know, in fact, Paul had a problem. Some of you, Paul had, I believe one of Paul's problem was pride. Pastor, how can you say something about it. Well, because if you read, I believe, either 1st or 2nd Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about the abundance of revelations. He said, said, God gave me to buffet my flesh, a thorn in the flesh to keep me humble because Paul got all this revelation and God showed Paul stuff to Paul. So I can't even talk about. Now, you know, when God starts showing you some stuff like that, and to keep him from exalting himself, that were given to him a thorn in the flesh so that he would recognize. He said, Lord, take it away from me. He said, no, no, my grace. I want you always dependent on me. I don't want you to ever forget. It. it got nothing to do with you because I'm going to give you revelation. You're going to be anointed. I'm going to use you mightily. But I got to keep you in a place where you understand it's not about you. It's about my power. Apostle Paul had. To struggle with this. And so he, he, here is this Pharisee, this Pharisee. He's looking, he's looking, he's looking. He's like, what's wrong with you? Look at this. Look at this picture. And Jesus had to give me education. He said, you know, same when I came in, you didn't wash my feet. You didn't, you didn't do any of that. This woman, since she's come in, she's just been washing my feet with her tears. Now, this woman had really, Jesus was saying to her, he said to her, you know, she got a lot of sins. He said, her sins, which are many, which I like that because what he said is, I know every one of your sins, lady. <laughs> I know you got a whole, you got so much sin. You got enough, not only for yourself, but something to pass on to some other folk. And he looks this woman out. he said, woman, your sins, which are many. There are a whole lot that you've done. I forgive you. I forgive you. But the Pharisee spirit, look at Luke chapter 18. Watch this, Pharisee spirit. The Pharisee spirit, here it is right here. The Pharisee spirit. He also spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you. Now watch this. He said that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector who was like the IRS. I mean, nobody liked them; They were always stealing from people. He says, look, watch this. He says, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. All the, and the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, I suppose that the Pharisee was telling the truth. He probably did. Pay his tithes. I mean, he's saying it, right? I, I paid all my tithes. You know, I don't take for nobody. You know, I'm walking in righteous and righteousness. I'm not an extorturer. I ain't sleeping around with people. I'm sure that he wasn't doing all the stuff he said he wasn't doing. I'm sure he wasn't because he said it. So what was his issue? It was all about performance for him. It was self-righteousness. It was pride. And Jesus said that you, that the guy who couldn't even look up to heaven because you he know he's so messed up. He says that person right there, that one is justified. The other, you're not. And what was this problem? Self-righteousness. Because I don't do this and I don't do that. It was all about what I do. Wait a minute. It ain't never it's Christian, Mr. and Mrs. Christian. It's never been about you. This whole thing is about Jesus. You can't save yourself. You can't work your way into heaven. You can't be good enough. None of us can be good enough. It's all about him. And so he said, you, my friend, are not justified. It's the pharisaical spirit. And to walk in an environment where there's a pharisaical spirit is very intimidating to people. They don't want to be a part of that. They don't want to be a part of a a people that that present themselves as righteous and and, and that that, I don't struggle. I'm perfect. You know, look what I do. Now, you know, as we walk with God and we love him and we fellowship with him and, you know, the fruit of his presence begin to manifest itself. And it's a wonderful thing to see how God transformed lives. But we must never forget, people, that no matter how good we are, the best of us, if it were not for God's grace, we, we would be in bad shape. We know that we still, some of us, we're going to leave this, walk out of here, and we're going to do something that we know we shouldn't do. And we're going to say, ah, I shouldn't have did that. But the blood of Jesus, hallelujah. That's why the Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for us. You know why he ever lives to make intercession? <laughs> because you keep blowing it. He says, confess your sins to one another. What he was saying is, you're going to sin. All of sin and falling short. So then, 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 then I got to have an attitude. I don't want to be like the Pharisee. I don't want to walk around self-righteous because we get a little self-righteous sometimes because when God starts blessing us, we, just something over us. We just forget, well, they're not this and they're not that and they're not doing, look, they never do this, they never do that. And that may be true. But don't ever think that you're better than them because you do a couple of things that they don't do as if to say that I got it. I, I, you know, God, you know, I got it right with God and you 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 got some stuff you got to deal with. And, you know, that's on you. But but look at me. Look at me. I read my Bible every day. I pray. I go to church every Sunday. I'm in that word, Pastor. I'm reading that Bible. I'm praying, and I'm, I'm doing all the things. But, 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 see, are you loving like you're supposed to be loving? Are you laying down your life? Do you realize that it is by His grace? So, which brings us back to this point: the mask. The mask simply means that we need to be authentic enough that. We're willing to take off the mask every now and then, to the people we trust, obviously, and say, and not just, not just talk to the pastor when it goes bad, but we need to talk to one another. That's why we talk about, you know, sometimes I say, y'all go say hi to each other, and you know, we start doing, you know why we start doing that? Because the tendency is you don't want to, not really. You don't really want to say hi. You don't really want to sit there and talk to people about what's happening. You don't really want to hear other people's problems because fellowship takes time, doesn't it? But if we're going to be healthy, how I many you we got to talk? I'll give you this experience and I'm going to close. I was part of a church many, many years ago. The pastor started off great. But then something changed. He made, I mean, he had us stand at the church seven days a week. Sometimes we didn't go home till two or three in the morning. He didn't believe in doing anything outside of church. It was all about got to be here. We need you working here. And, uh, and, and then his messages became so abusive. I mean, it was like he would call people out and say, you, get up. You, you this. And, and I mean, just parade people's sin. You know, if somebody got pregnant, he would just, you know, you, you, get up. Get up. And they come up. Look at this. Look at this. And it was, I mean, it was like that. I mean, so people, everybody knew that when there was an altar call, whether you sin or not, you didn't want to be sitting down and have him call you out. You get up. Because I ain't trying to get the call. I don't want him to pull me up there. So, you, so I found myself, even if I was convicted or not, I'm getting up. And he created an atmosphere whereby people could not talk about their issues. So people were hurting. He even had it so the husband and wife couldn't even go home and talk about things at the church. Because you would be gossiping. And if you're gossiping, God is going to judge it, judge it, judge it. And so people, watch this. And so here's what happened. It's that people that had legitimate concerns. I'm not talking about just talking about nothing. You now people sometimes we get fickle. But people had legitimate concerns. I mean, because he was abusive. He was demanding. I mean, I remember times driving to work. And I couldn't even drive. I, couldn't. I was driving a police car. I couldn't even stay awake because I was up all night counting money, driving a bus, painting the church, doing something. And he didn't care. He's going oh, drive the sheep. Drive the sheep. And then we used to wonder why people didn't want to hang around. And I'll never forget One day my sister came and she says, something about that church, the spirit ain't right. She says, I don't know what it is. But... And everybody was running scared. Because what happened was we weren't really being honest about where we really were. There were people that had struggled, they, they had issues, and they could not talk. You can't challenge the pastor because I'm the pastor. So you just follow me. You don't ask me no questions. You just pray for me. That's what you say. Just pray. Don't talk to me. Don't come telling me. about. Don't talk to me. You just pray. Let God. And after a while, we had developed all of us, it kind of came on us, this kind of this self righteous act, because it was all work. We had to perform. I had to perform. I had to perform. And there's nothing wrong about performing, but it can't be about I got to perform. It got to be about God's grace. It got to be about his power working through me. And so what happened was it blew up because people weren't being honest with where they were. And when it blew up, it was ugly. And I said, if we would have been allowed to just say, Pastor, here's how we feel. Or to say to one another, brother, because we couldn't talk. See, we couldn't talk to each other. We couldn't talk to each other. So I couldn't go to my sister and say, Sister Rita, I I, got, I you know. I, I, we couldn't. So you just had to keep it between you and God. And what happened was it festered an atmosphere of self-righteousness and where the relationships were. We, we had an appearance of healthiness. I mean, we had a Christian school, and people would come, and people would look at the school, and they would look at the church building that we just bought, and everybody would go, wow. But there were people in the church who couldn't stand their pastor, didn't like them. I'm just saying I'm, not saying. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying they had issues because they could not talk. And so we look healthy on the outside, but inside, we were not being real with each other. How many know that we need to be real with each other? We need to be able to talk. Now, that's a protocol. How we do everything is it not? The Bible gives us. The Bible says, "If you got all against your brother, how many know the Bible says you need to go talk to your brother or your sister? If you got a problem, you got an issue. You want, there's a way to go about doing it. We always got to be respectful to one another, and we always got to under we always got to under God's order." We're supposed to do that. And we always got to submit to one another and care of one another. But there should be an avenue whereby when we really need to talk about things, we can sit down and we can say, OK, can we have a heart to heart talk and work this out? You know, you know, God is a God loves God said, come. Let us reason together. Now, how do you know if God says you, can re, you can't really reason with God, really? But if he even says, come, let us reason together. God said, please, come, let's let's try to work this out. That's the spirit of God. And you can't reason with God. God's to come. Let us reason together. I'm willing to work with you. I'm willing to fix this. I want our church to be a church and a culture whereby we don't tolerate or we don't support sin, but we, we have enough grace to help people get from where they are to where they ought to be. That's all I'm saying. And if that's going to happen, we got to be honest. we got to stop putting on the mask with each other. When stuff is going on, why do you come to church every week and you don't talk to nobody about what you're going through? Is there anybody that you can share with? Is there anybody? Why should you go and suffer when there's people of God? That's what church is not just about. Just coming to look. It's about, number one, we come to worship God. That's what it's all about. But sometimes it's hard to worship God when you're not healthy yourself. I'm just being, I'm being honest. Because I see it sometimes on your faces. I look out there and I can see people. And sometimes it may be because they don't like the song. I understand that. But sometimes, you know, they're just, they're just distant, far away, because of what's been going on around. And they don't talk about it. They don't get it out. And they try to act, and we try to act like it's all good. Ain't no problem. Everything's good. And then you look up one day and say, what happened? Well, it really wasn't good. I don't want that to happen. I want us to be real with each other. Take off the mask. Let's stop pretending. and Let's, let's be honest. If we need to talk, if you've got a problem with a brother or sister that we need to talk about, it. let's talk about it. If you've got some issue that you're struggling with and you need help, humble yourself and say, hey, I need help. I don't know how to do this. It's okay. It's okay. That's the spirit of Jesus. It's okay. Because if we don't do that, then we're kidding ourselves. We're not really a church that's really connected to each other. We're not really close to the way we need to be. We're, 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 we're playing games. We look well, but we're really not. And I'm not, I don't want to be a church that looks good. I want to be good. I don't want, I'm not into fan. You notice we're not into great looks. I mean, we're pretty. We try to do what we do with the spirit of excellence, but we're, not into the, we're more into you as a person, more interested in you. And we want to have the kind of attitude just like Jesus exuded toward this woman. Those woman, your sins are many. God will forgive you. He can restore you. He can bring you hope. And you can get out of the situation that you're in. And you know what? I'm going to be right here to help you. I'm going to hear everything you got to say. I'm not going to look at you like you're some kind of a freak. I'm going to help you through it. I'm not going to go and take your sin and you confess to me and tell everybody else how nasty and how ugly you are. I'm going to work with you to get out of that. Because you came here because you want that. I, I believe you want to be free. We'll help you get there. Amen? Amen. Every eye is closed. Every head is bowed.